<laughs> uh, hello, RP people. Welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we talk about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me as always, I got Rich and Scott. Hey, guys. Hey, and just so you know, you didn't get past role playing without hitting the one second mark. Oh, I wasn't trying to go faster. Do you want me to try and do it again? Do you no, have your timer? No. Do you have your timer? No. Oh, it, it, it's it's not. Somebody would not be talking that fast during combat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I could. I slowed down. You I, could. You could. But but it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, we're not. This episode is not about combat <laughs> time management or what is it called? No, uh, action. Action economy. economy? Yeah, this is not about action economy, although that would be an interesting one. For this one, we are talking about two different things that seem to have a little bit of a tie-in together, and that is world building and character creation. Now, when we first one of we were talking about what episode to do today, I kind of put out a list, and you both said, well, world building and character creation (laughs) is sort of intertwined, and I'm curious in what way do you guys see it as intertwined rich i see them intertwined because if i'm going to be playing in that world i need to understand the world and a lot of times when i've gm'd some people will come and say hey i want to create this character and they come up with a background and that background may incorporate things that i hadn't even thought of for the world itself so your character lives in the world, so it has yeah. to be intertwined. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, when we talk about, you know, you make a character in the conceit of the world. So if the world is human only, you're not playing a goddamn elf. Really? It's just how it is, right? So the, that that really helps. When, when you work them together, it really helps. Uh, expectations, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. It, it's actually kind of funny because um, I was just editing the episode that's coming out. Well, I guess at this point it will be last week for you guys. Uh, and we talked about so many different freaking episode ideas. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, you got them all down. so Yeah, I wrote them all down. But should we get started? So with world building. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. If right now... It's it's time change. Everyone's a little weird. Um, yeah. So with world, so with world building, um, what kind of considerations do you need to actually put in in order to have a world that a player would want to play in, to, in the first place? You guys have any idea? Because I know you both have designed little worlds of your own. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll let Scott go first this time. Um. Uh, I look at trying to do something that, oh, you know, I I want you to play my unicorn land. I don't, it's not that, but it's, oh man, this is really weird. This is a fun topic because it's really an interesting topic for, for creating things is people talk a big game and I'm not, not, not designers, but just players in general. Of like, oh, Lord of the Rings was so derivative, so was Dungeons and Dragons. But yet every goddamn setting you see <laughs> is nothing but a derivative elf, dwarf, halfling. And then if you go with fifth edition route, you're throwing in weird nonsense like, you know, uh, the anthropomorphic races. So, but I'm like Rich. It's like Rich has his arabesque setting. I have an arabesque setting because you kind of you want to deliver something that's just off of center of what people are used to on that line, at least for me. And I'm like, yeah, let's have a, 
a game where you are only going to be humans and you're going to fight elves and dwarves. If, if they're going to be in the world, cool, but you're going to fight them. Or it's like with the arabesque stuff. Um, I, I try to find something that's a hook that makes it different and then kind of go from there, I guess, for the initial burst um, for you guys. No, I, I agree. Although when I'm world building, a lot of times I will look at it from what what is going to be interesting for me to explore as a GM. Um, as you're saying, my arabesque setting I came up with because I was at a museum and it inspired me with some ideas. I'm like, you know what? I never see this sort of thing in a Dungeons and Dragons type RPG. And so I think it'd be fun to explore. Let's have things where tribes go to war with elephants rather than knights on freaking horses. And that's it. Right. Um, let, let's have flying carpets. Cause that to me would be a lot of fun in a setting. Yeah. Um, and so then from there, it just kind of spawned into, okay, how do I make this work in a, in a, in an interesting way for me? But I think a lot of times I also take a different approach to world building that I don't map a ton of stuff out. I get a general idea of, this is how things kind of work. And then I get bored with the creation. I'm like, okay, let's play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so world building for me happens in game more than outside of the game. Even fair enough. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Like it, I, I agree with you, Scott, where it is a very interesting topic because I think how, world building and character creation really kind of combine together it is a odd like you kind of think they're almost separate but they definitely are not um the way i how i kind of look at it is when you're in order to make a character that really you think would work well in a world or something like that you really need to know how the hooks of the world work like you need to know the little things that can really flesh out a character but on top on the same same vein you don't want to have so much information that your character feels impossible to be in the world like uh let's say like uh let's say like a hacker in a cyberpunk world if you made it so that cyber security was completely up everyone's ass and it was impossible to do it would make the character himself feel near nigh impossible to do uh, same with fantasy. I'm sorry, but you don't hear much about aliens joining a fantasy world because those are almost kind of conflicting ideas in a sense. Uh, so you got you got to really figure out that balance of why is like this particular race in the world or lineage, whatever you want to call it, and how do they function in the society? that makes them make sense. And like, I, I've even said to you guys, I prefer playing the ugly characters, kind of the ones that are kind of thrown to the side in society, because I find it more of a fascinating approach. But if a game made it impossible, like let's say uh, in our current game right now, where I'm a half over, if you put it so, Oh, most towns would kill on site. I probably wouldn't play it because it just makes it, the game not about playing in the world and more about hiding from the world but that's at least my kind of opinion on it yeah well so and and for care for creating characters like that when you're looking at the world design that's where you i think a lot of the a lot of the base design like rich was talking about 
can can start, but you're never going to like a lot of folks will want to limit things. And I still have this bad habit of like, well, like someone run fifth edition, you're going to be guaranteed you're not playing certain things. You're not going to play cat people and turtle people and all the nonsense. I'm just not, I'm not going to have that at my table. Um, but it's also because it's, it's just, I just don't like it. Um, because to me, that's not what it is. And if we're going to do this, we're going to do this in a, in a different direction. But if you do have people who want to do that, like with your half ogre, you guys have been, your half ogre has only really been dungeon exploring as has the mine, the minotaur. And I think there's only two oddball characters, right. That are really in the group. Mm -hmm. What's beholden on me now to have made the world or to know that you want to do that character is I need to be able to have notes to go back to so that when you do enter civilization, if it's predominantly elven, dwarven, human, whatever, yeah, I have to be able to play on 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 that oddity because difference. It, we everyone sees differences, and it just is what it is. And the physical, you know, your physical appearance, regardless, can be perceived by in, in one way or another. Um, and if you can make that interesting for folks, it can become a lot more fun, like you said, to play those characters instead of like, oh, the town sees the mm -hmm. half ogre. All right, well, we're just gonna kill him. <laughs> Well, no, that's not how it would really work in real life because it's not how it ever worked in real life. Like yeah. you might have a vocal majority who hates, loves, disdains, neutral, whatever. But yeah, if you really start pulling that in, and like Rich said, you can start molding the world and giving it a little more solidity to the, that foundational clay that you've made, so much the better. Yeah. Well, and the important part there, I think, is as the GM, you allowed him. You made a conscious choice to allow Santa to play that half ogre. One of the things I think as GMs, a lot of times we forget is it <laughs> is good for the players to have some input into the world building. It invests them in that world and in that game more mm -hmm. than if you simply say, here is the world that you get to explore now. Okay, great. But it's I'm not as invested in that world because mm -hmm. nothing I do is really going to matter or change that. Yes, the adventure may be epic in scope. But it's a, one of the best GMs I've played with was my oldest brother, not my oldest brother, but my older brother. And he literally would take random crap that we would throw out and just run with it. And it became canon in the world. Yeah. Um, just in, as we're making crap up and, and going and playing. And later on, those random things that we would throw out, like if we mentioned the name of a god, Later on, we would find a temple to that god in the game world. Yep. And it was, I mean, we would make up monster names on the spot, like as a bard, telling these great epics <laughs> never really happened to us. But later on, we're encountering the, this crap that we've described already. And it was just really reinforcing to us that it's, it's okay for you guys to be creative too. I'm not yeah. the only one that has to be creative here. Yep. I, I think that's why, well... Dungeon World does this really well because yeah. you do a front and then the characters are going to build on things they don't even understand because the front's not known. You know the front, but you know the presentation. And like when you're asking the bond questions is when it becomes very evident, like you're saying, that they are now building that world with you. And they are going to say things and do things and they may ask you leading questions or you can ask them leading questions. Um, so for a game that does the this amalgam uh, really well is Dungeon World. I mean, well, probably the rest of them, um, but just Dungeon World is the one that I know just is so solid when it comes to fantasy. But yeah, man, like you know, we're 
So in the Dragonlands game, we're following canon, but within that canon, there's room for you guys to have an experience that doesn't rely on violating the books yeah. or violating the world principles. You know, like I'm not allowing a wizard of high sorcery to take a goddamn <laughs> Knight of Salamnia as a background. That is goddamn dumb and wizards should be ashamed of themselves for doing it. It's stupid. But like you guys are down there fighting and you guys have made your way through this adventure where there's this real creepy stuff going on and you have a lot of little clues. And now you've heard this name, Usk Do, which is canon in the setting. It's just very nerdy canon. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's all going to come crashing together at, you know, at this last pitch battle you guys are in. But I've allowed you guys to run with that and you've made new connections and you're learning and growing and you're, you're, you're putting your force now on that canon and pushing it to its extremes of where it will still make sense within Dragonlance. Um, yeah. And that's very fun to see of how you guys are running with it. Well, it's, that's, that's good. No, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's stupid. There, there, there's no better endorsement right there. It's a, that's good. No, 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 no. <laughs> It's average. It's average at best. No, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, Scott, everyone, if some people like vanilla ice cream, just fine by itself. <laughs> hey, I had a vanilla cake today. It was delicious. But no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I, I was just, I was trying to c compile my own thoughts into it. And it's kind of interesting mm. to hear your perspective on the game and how you're kind of building it, but you're still tailoring it to us while keeping it lore friendly. And I, I like, that's like, it is actually kind of neat to hear you talk about the game because we usually don't hear too much about the GM's perspective of how they're kind of writing the game as we're playing it. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah, like Rich knows the one adventure you guys are currently on. Yeah. Most people who played third edition know the adventure, but they don't know the adventure as it's being delivered. Right. Yeah. We talked yeah. about that. And then all the other stuff that, well, you weren't there, but what they were doing like in that cave and all that jazz, you guys first fire on the clues and the magic fountain, that was all on the fly made up in response to your guys' actions and your reactions and the question you all were asking because I knew you you had the situations presented to you and your points of curiosity became evident of what they were. And so it's like, well, how do I implement this? Okay, well, you know, yeah, I have this room set aside, obviously, because it's a VTT, but that's what this really is now because this is what matters because this is the stress they're putting on it. And it makes more sense because I've said things that I can't tell you everything. And, but the things I have said, you guys come with that of like, Oh, well, okay, well, here's, here's what we're looking at now. And it's like, okay, cool. Now, how do I take that and keep it dragon Lance friendly? Okay, awesome. And we'll do that. And then we're going to build on this and push this out forward now. So yeah, I mean, a lot of that is on the fly lore, like lore building within the canon based on responses that your characters were having to that first primary adventure and the questions you were asking and your responses to the Knight of Slamnia that you're, you were with. So I'm going to ask a question sure. that I've got some answers to, but I'd like to hear you all. And when you go into world building, are there specific tools or exercises that you go through to, to either start the process or help start fleshing things out, that sort of stuff? Santa. It's <laughs> not really a fair question for him, I guess. But he's done. No, you've done some tinkering stuff. No, I've done. I've done tinkering, and it, that's actually yeah. an interesting kind of a uh, like. I've kind of mentioned this on the podcast before, but 
my world building tends to start from the bottom up. Uh, actually, I think it was in the last one we were discussing it, or it may have been one of the forgotten yeah. episodes that we didn't release. Uh, but um, <laughs> when I'm kind of world building, I prefer to start with a question. And, it, and usually I get that from either watching YouTube history videos or from <laughs> listening to lore or anything like that, where all of a sudden like a question pops into my mind of like, how would this work? And then I kind of start building it around it. Like even uh, I was kind of, I'm kind of playfully designing uh, some DC, uh, so MCC stuff. Um, and the whole thought process behind what the game is was, well, what happens, what happened before every human was in the stone mm -hmm. age or when they're still in turmoil what was happening to some of the other creatures that may have become sentient or what exactly is running amok? And I kind of started creating these little races and species of creatures that I think would be a really kind of fun play in the world that could potentially make sense with what you see in MCC, uh, like rules and even their own world building but be able to put my own flavor on it. That doesn't really impact it. So I started with, I like to start with a question and start building up Scott. Nice man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, how we reconnected, I guess, uh, we kind of talked about it. I know last time we wasn't doing one again, if you're listening out of order, but I do, I guess it's kind of the same thing. If I look at, if I look at a point to prove, which sounds terrible. I know. But it's like, how does how can I make X interesting when it's usually not like hacking? Not really that interesting in cyberpunk games. Um, and then you know it evolved into a, a, a whole setting. And this um, Black Sun Dawning got its start with uh, just asking a question what people wanted to play and then just asking a bunch of leading, well, just asking some questions of a group of people, but based on what I thought would be interesting for science fantasy and then watching them whittle this list down and saying, okay, well, this is really what people are looking at. I mean, and, you know, from what it was to what it is now, or it's just, it's evolved so far, you know, we went to the, okay, here's some weird stuff. And then, yeah. So I think I like to, I like to look at like, um, how do you challenge, uh, a commonly held trope and bend it to make it more fun or at least more interesting. Okay. And now, now to kind of push this to in the direction that I was really wanting to ask, and that is, are there tools that you then leverage? Once you have this kind of baseline down, mm -hmm. are there tables, are there generators, are oh, there yeah. stuff oh. like that that yeah. you guys yeah. generally <laughs> go to, to that, yep. that help you flesh that world out? You, you've got the seed of an idea. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so what do you? What are some of your favorites? Oh man. So, uh, first off, OneNote. If you don't use OneNote, change your change your life and use OneNote. I can't recommend OneNote enough for running games and even doing games. Uh, then I'll look at like um, fantasy name generator is not bad because she's does a lot of work and she does some very cool stuff that you can use. Um, 
and then Dungeon D O N J A O N, right? He, that that site's got a very cool set of different genres. Hell, even divides its generators based on like versions of D and D, generic fantasy, traveler, Star Wars, all that jazz. So there's a lot of stuff in there that you can use if you need magic tomes, people, names, whatever you want. Uh, and then what else do I like to use? Um, I'll generally make my own tables if I need to. Uh, but there's a man, it's it's a weird address. But essentially, I can also, um, since I'm a professional, you know, being a professional linguist, I know root words, and I'll pull, I'll pull like commonly common roots out of a language, either it's Arabic or Persian or Russian or whatever, and get those in a list of like I don't know, maybe twenty or so seed words. And there's a there's a website that you dump those in, and it just it recombines all those seed words and creates new words out of them. And that's just money. That's how I did all of the, uh, cause I, that website, I have every name for all those races in Eberron. And that's what I did. I took all of their names from all the Eberron products and dumped them in there. So like you hit on dare and you get a list of on dare sounding names based on those male and female and, uh, roots. Um, so that's what I use for naming conventions. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to need to share that link. Because that's <laughs> like a really cool website. Yeah. It's, it's very, very amazing. If you couple all this now with chat GPT, which is also now my new ally, mm-hmm. um, the sky is the limit for a lot of this stuff. I mean, I have asked chat GPT. Now chat GPT still does some weird stuff. Like I would give it some like proto Slavic roots and it would still give me like words that I was like, well, these words are all clearly Russian. Like yeah. I can read them. <laughs> so you're, you're, not, you're not making up things. They are literally, tri- you know, translated uh, or transliterated, uh, uh, you know, Russian. Yeah. Um, but but ChatGPT can give you some interesting ideas if you ask it. You know, like, what is a you know describe a describe a kingdom run by dwarves who are divided into two moieties. One that never leaves the underground and one that never goes underground. And it will spit you out like an idea that you can take as a seed and be like, oh, okay, cool. And and then run with that. So, and and then, you know, mid mid journey, just don't be dumb. AI, (laughs) if you're fighting AI art, you might as well be, you know, I don't understand what a sub stack is, but is it like a blog? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're rallying against the future of, 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 of things. So... But Midjourney can give you very cool uh, prompts, or not prompts, but Midjourney can give you really good ideas just off of stupid prompts, right? Yeah. You can say, "Hey, this is really cool. I want to run with this, and this help me describe what I'm what I want to get on the page." And if, even if you're not using it to, you know, steal my art or whatever, um, you're still getting a visual cue that represents prompts that you threw into it. So that's all my tools. I rest my case. Cool. <laughs> um, you're going to be disappointed by my tools. Uh, I do use chat GPT uh, because I do think it's good to bounce ideas off of. Uh, I remember yeah. when we first actually uh, kind of started playing around with it. Um, I think it was you finder who brought it up at first and we're like, Oh, let's take, ch- take a look. And then I forget who it was said, well, I wonder if it could design an RPG. And then we're like, we started putting in a bunch of ideas and I put in the idea for, um, uh attack of the killer tomatoes i asked can yep. you make an rpg of that and it was hilarious because it I, I, then i started asking other prompts like what kind of how how would the different types of tomatoes act because of course there's roma tomatoes there's beef steak yep. and it started spinning out all these things i was like this is so freaking cool yep. and 
there's ideas that, you know, I could have probably had on my own, but then there's some ideas that I never would have thought of. And one of them, I was like, the coolest one that came out of it was instead of having a melee skill, uh, you had a cooking skill because you're not killing these things. You're, you'd have to have some cutlery skills. It would probably be the the freaking chef that would be best be able to handle a bunch of killer tomatoes, and that's with a knife. Right. And I was like, yeah, using that as a skill, and then having another skill for gardening, which also affects them, which is towards manipulating them. I was like, that is that yep. is golden. It's so on brand, and I yep. never would have thought of that in a million years. But it's a good tool. Yeah. Another tool I use, it's not really named yet. Oh, go ahead. No, I, as you say, the thing that I like about G- chat GPT as well is it can sp- uh, spit something out and you can say, okay, let's refine that yep. and t- yep. tell it to modify what it just said and it'll yeah. do that. But anyway, go ahead, fin- finish your list. Sorry. Um, my last tool is actually just Wikipedia. And it's up for names or something like that. But if you really are stuck on a concept it is so nice for it like let's say you're dealing with something in the 1890s you're like that's where your setting is put in place literally go through that we've all gone through the rabbit holes where we find what where we search up Mm -hmm. something broad and then we keep on refining and then refining and we we dig into these little holes and we're like oh that's really neat oh that's really neat use wikipedia when you're stuck because it can help you out more than you would ever imagine Yep. But yeah, yeah, those are my that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I like it. Like, then you also end up learning some really weird stuff. Like, I know how to farm rabbits, I would never farm rabbits, but I <laughs> learned it on Wikipedia. <laughs> God, all right, <laughs> Rich, what do you use? Uh, so, I, I kind of go all over the board depending on where I'm or what I'm doing. I've started using OneNote. I, I started using that for Coriolis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I don't necessarily use it for everything. So it's like, I, I have no idea. There's no rhyme or reason to the how I do things or why I do things. <laughs> but like OneNote is what I'm using for Coriolis. I'm not really using it for the uh, Grim Dark Fantasy that I'm running. I, I've got a page or two where I make a couple notes just because yeah. I don't want to forget. But there's not much else there for that. Whereas I did a lot more planning for my Coriolis game using OneNote. Um, one that I just started experimenting with, and I, I haven't learned anything that I really care for yet, but like Decuma or however you want to pronounce that, it's it's one that, that to me is a tool when you want to get the players involved in the world building and you don't necessarily have a whole lot of stuff already planned. It can be used with a planned world, but the idea behind Decuma was that you have the players help build the world, the area that they're in, um, what types of adventures are going to go on, all that sort of stuff. So that was, and I used that with the grim dark fantasy just to see what I could do. And so that's been fun from a world building perspective because there are now world players that the players actually came up with and are involved in their decision-making. Yeah. And to this day, I mean, the, the, the last adventure this past Friday, um, there were considerations that they were making based on those backgrounds that they came up with that were now part of the world. So that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Um, I do use the name generators all the time. Yeah. Um, I also use Google Translate. Like when I was when I was uh, as I work on the arabesque setting, 
I will throw in an English word to find out what the Arabic or Persian or Egyptian names or, or words would be. And then I can use that for inspiration around, okay, I, well, I can tweak it or I can cut off half of it and have a new name or things like that. So I do a lot of uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, Midjourney, ChatGPT, yep. I use those uh, now. Um, Pixelmator is is my go-to art program for oh, making yeah. tokens and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I really don't have a whole lot of tools because I, I just shift them all over the time as I keep experimenting with stuff. So like, oh, this will be fun. Let's try I, this. I got a question. Um, for because you guys have mentioned OneNote several times, I to yes. be honest, I've never used OneNote. I'm not even too sure oh my God. what it is, and I have a feeling there's probably a few of our listeners right now who are like, "What's OneNote? Why should I be using it?" And so, not to sound like an advertisement for a product that's definitely not sponsoring <laughs> us because they don't know we exist, because I'm pretty sure it's made by Microsoft. Um, it is made by Microsoft. Yes. What is what is OneNote and how do you guys use it for your world building? It's an electronic trapper keeper. Yeah, basically, right? So imagine imagine you open OneNote and you have – you start a, a notebook is what they call it. And your notebook is, I don't know, like Forgotten Realms. And then the notebook has sections. So it could be like geography, flora, fauna, people – uh, magic, all the and each though, and those sections all have pages in a notebook, and so you can then say like, like people, elves, and then you can list st- just a standard description of an elf, and then you can make a sub page for wood elf, dark elf, high elf, and so you can you capture everything like that, and so you have all these things coming down the side of the screen where you can start clicking through them. You'd be like, oh, there's my sub pages. You can make sub pages, remove a sub page, uh, promote a page, demote a page, um, and then you can take and shoot images, emails, spreadsheets, and PDFs directly into one of those pages. Oh, that's cool. And so if you need a character sheet, boom, here's all my maps. Boom, 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 my maps. And the best feature is, is once you have all this stuff in there, like your protagonist, your antagonist, the search feature is goddamn powerful. So if you have like something you've named like the star of id and you can type id or star of id, it will show you everywhere you have written star of id into that notebook. Yes. You uh, can link internally like a Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. That actually- Hyperlinks. It's so good. <laughs> that that so actually good. does sound very handy. I might start using it. Uh, one little question. I use it for work professionally. Sorry, it's how good it is. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I'm. Uh, one final question. Well, is, and, and one last one, one last thing on the one note thing though. Sorry, it, it's important to understand that it's web accessible, so you can go to yeah. a web page if you want to use your browser. There's iPad and Android apps. Yep. iOS and Android apps. Yep. There is a desktop app yep. for Windows and Mac, yep. possibly for Linux. I don't know. But, I mean, it, it's it's fairly ubiquitous. Yep. It's, it is – I'm not a huge fan of Microsoft. Nope. Excel and OneNote are the two Microsoft programs that yep. I think they did really well. Yeah, And it sure. syncs no matter where you are. So if you're, yeah. if you're fiddling around on your phone, you go back to your desktop or whatever, everything you've done is synced up. Yeah. It is – 
Yeah, I can't begin to tell you how amazing that program is. Go ahead, Santi. What's your last well, question about one? First, I'm pretty sure the entire world would implode if Excel all of a sudden ceased to exist. Oh, um, yeah. That is such a huge freaking thing. I There's so many businesses that are so dependent on it. It's ridiculous. Two, yeah. what the hell is a trapper keeper? Oh, shit. That's right. You're young. Oh, damn. This is well, like the TikTok where the girl is talking about the young, what? there's a girl your age. in there? My no, only there's a TikTok. My only oh, reference shit. is South Park where Cartman gets sucked this into the Trapper Keeper. I don't actually, I've heard it. This I, is amazing. I just, I've, I never knew anyone who owned it. I was a little kid. They were around during my time. Well, that's what it is physically, right? I was a little kid. I don't know what it does. I've heard the name a dozens Holy of times. Shit. I've just this is this is amazing. Holy yeah. shit! This is the first. I've, this is I've never had this happen before. So no, before, I'll let Rich answer Trapper Keeper part because I'm dying inside. There is literally a TikTok of a girl about your age who is she says what she wishes she had in her house is a some kind of phone oh, no. that could be centralized for the entire family to use. <laughs> And there's all these Gen Xers are like, well, well, it's th- that's a landline. Like, yeah, like what the fuck is wrong with you? That's hilarious. Well, Scott, just the other day, I saw a TikTok about Trapper Keeper where oh, no. Gen Xers talking. You you had something to keep traps. Why would you keep traps? <laughs> like, all right, Rich, you want to yeah. tra- explain Trapper Keeper? Yeah, it, it was just a big binder that kept separate. Subjects. I mean, you could have like five different subjects in one big binder. Yeah, that's and it had folders and it yeah. had sections that you. Could, I mean, it was it, it, yeah, was, yeah. Well, it was like a three ring binder. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a three ring binder, but inside you have you remember those little the like the stupid the ass the stupid ass folders like paper yeah. folders you route shit in or hold papers in. Yeah. So it had those in there individualized. So like your blue one is for chemistry, your red one is for math, your green one is for English, whatever your color scheme was. And you could put those in this this trapper keeper, but it folded over and it had like, oh, their decorations were amazing because it was all like licensed shit, you know, unicorns and Spider-Man, Batman. They had everything you could think of for an 80s kid to be like, I am going to school with cool things and I'm completely empty of homework, but. That doesn't really matter. And it held what? Pens. And it had that cool bag you could put inside of it too that clipped inside of it. It had three rings on it and it held like your pens and pencils and whatnot. And it had a flap that would come over to keep it shut so it wouldn't fly open everywhere. Yeah. I cannot wait to see the comments on this episode about the Trapper Keeper. I am so excited. I hope there's a lot of them. Please comment. my generation, (laughs) the cool toys that you could have at school that were school related were gel pens. Those so there true. in our chat is the original Trapper Keeper. Oh, let me see this. I really what, want to see what? the picture. Not, not chat, but in, uh, in Discord. In Discord. No one can see it except for us. Oh, oh shit. Look at that thing. Well, Santa can show it. Santa can show it. That's true. It's like a Windows error screen from Windows 7. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Came in primary colors initially. Then, like Scott said, yeah. they, they later on started making them with cool patterns and design, it was a money maker uh, they oh, still yeah. have them i think i want to say they still have them in uh they, they do target and stuff yeah in, in amazon yeah god but, i know uh, i ordered a trapper keeper just to carry it around the ship <laughs> there we go yeah trapper keeper there she is nice yeah the the, the most complex three ring binder you ever had but dude, <laughs> it, it was so it was so good though it was it, it was it really did help keep 
that was that's why Gen X isn't the way millennials are now. We don't need other <laughs> other things to maintain us. We had we had a physical we had a keeper. We had travel keepers <laughs> to to constrain our wandering minds. Um, <laughs> yes, it was much easier to organize yourself. <laughs> it was really super handy, actually. It was really handy, actually. While still turning in zero homework. Yeah, 100%. Doing the <laughs> that morning in the class as class is getting ready to start. Of course. It's like so I never met. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't dig around the hallways. I had to get your homework done. <laughs> After school is not for doing homework. It's for skate. It was for skating, sports, and Dungeons and Dragons. That was it. Yep. <laughs> I'm not doing fucking homework. If you have to give me homework, you have failed your job in that 50 minute period you had. <laughs> Oh, my natural lighting started uh, to go. Oh, Canada, we finally. Anyway, back to world bill. Yeah, about, about yeah, back, back to, to world, world building. Build. 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 Yeah. So the yeah. tools and stuff, and so we were talking about that. And I was going to say there is um, if you um, oh damn it, there's two things. One is for inspiration. It's called the uh, storytelling periodic table, and you can go through and like. It's set up like an element periodic table and it's these different tropes and you can go through and click these tropes and they'll tell you like what movies they were used in. Or you can click a movie like Star Wars and they'll tell you here are the periodic tropes that was used to make Star Wars. And so that can help people too. Like, oh, I want this, 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 like I want, you know, boy meets girl, uh, planet dies and just start clicking this stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, I've got this wacky sci-fi rom-com setting now. Um, and so it can, it can help. Um, and then, um, and the twist is brother and sister. Oh, oh George Lucas. Hmm. Um, there was one more I was thinking about, but I'll, I'll, I'll remember it later. That was a big one though. The storytellers periodic table is pretty handy. Uh, g- yeah. Get a link for that. That's awesome too. I, yeah, that. I do know where it is. The other one's on my, on my MacBook. Well, I, I think even like, Literary or uh, movie tropes is another good way to help design, like uh, mm-hmm. like for world building, especially if you have a certain idea in your head and you kind of want to do a throwback to a certain kind of concept. It, it's really nice. Like I think Scott, you, you without since you mm-hmm. live the experience, you don't really need to have those tropes. But in Task Force Raven, there is movie tropes and all that stuff that are just mm-hmm. naturally in the game because well yeah do you know about them like i, I don't know if you well, have i didn't fight vampires that's what you're asking <laughs> that's, that's why a thousand a thousand thousand fangs is in is in there is listed as something you should watch i didn't fight and, vampires and, and, and that, that's what somebody that's what somebody from Ta- task force raven would actually say though so yeah, yeah. 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 This, this, sounds like a this sounds like a government cover up right like a government. i i agree i gotta go <laughs> so who are where is this cabal of vampires uh mostly uh, iraq and um yeah he rocks the big one actually the vampire stories i mean so that's why i put those links too in those stories you're not wrong like you look at inspiration and um the so one of the reasons raven started changed the subject was no well we'll, 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 we'll talk about it there's a few things man that sounds stupid to say there's a few things i can't talk about um but there are like this is gonna run wild like oh my god u.s government confirms no we haven't confirmed it's just shit gets misconstrued and then you know there you go but um just like when when you write something like raven is like what do i know 
and what can the what can make sense in the public's not you know knowledge base that's where wikipedia comes in super handy um be like what is vetted and what is not vetted and that kind of thing but um with raven it was what happens if uh, a team of delta shooters ends up in barovia and that's what richard experienced the first time okay well now you've got you know Fifth Special Forces group, congratulations! You're gonna go. Well, what's going on? Well, there's this camp, there's this count who's real mean. Oh, sure he is. Oh shit! Bullets go right through him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was the intent. But then um, there are stories. If you look at the giant of Kandahar, that's a real story um, that came out uh, from the early days of the war. And there are then you if you look research uh, the links are in the book, but it's like research vampires of Iraq. There are stories, and of the the Iraqis and the local folks will tell you. Even in like Somalia, same thing. You know, there are witch doctors who can change shape into hyenas, and so this, you know, mythology is still going on in the world, and that's the inspiration. But you're not wrong. But when you start looking at these stories, don't don't always dismiss something. Embrace it. Like when you first like, are there vampires in Iraq? Probably not. But does it sound really goddamn cool when you read a story about someone who, you know, gets snuck up on and the thing is right in front of their face and it failed their thermal and their their nods? That's awesome, you know. Or you watch some of the, the creepypasta videos and the, there's the one dude who's a former SEAL and he um, – mis- oh, I forgot his name. But he does a lot of uh, creepy stories. And so if you start – but you're, if you drill down into that, the topic you're, you're on, and you can find real weird things happening within that topic normally, um, you know. Even science well, fiction. Uh, related to that, though, I mean, you look at some of the novels, like Brandon Sanderson, hmm. his, his Kickstarter that yeah. killed Kickstarter, right? I mean, Jesus that thing Christ, there. Man. The first book, the first book of that is now out, and he talks about where that inspiration came from. And that inspiration for that book came from the Princess Bride. No, oh. where he says, "What if the princess had actually done something rather than just sitting around? Just wait." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what what if she actually became proactive? Yeah. And so he knew he wanted to have like a pirate story, but he's like, I don't want it to be like just a boring pirate story. So he changed the way the seas work, that it's not water that they're actually on. It's it's these spores like sand that oh, when those spores get wet, hmm. weird stuff happens and huh. like vines grow out of them or ruby shards or whatever it is. That's cool. And so he, I mean, there's a lot of research that he put into it to see would, the, would something like this actually work, yeah. but it was a movie that he was watching with his family that just, what, what would be different? And so when you think about your world building, if you have things like that, that's also where character creation again plays a part in that. He was wanting to tell a specific type of story that involved a character that went and did something. That's cool as hell. So yeah, yeah, it, and it's a, it's a really cool book so far. So nice. I'm enjoying it. But so maybe we should talk about that since you brought it up. Um, <laughs> try not to be snarky. Science is dumb and boring in fantasy. <laughs> I'm sorry. My ships can travel faster than the speed of light because magic and other things. I don't care, but. I do have to recognize some limits of physics as we understand it. So like radio waves still travel the speed of light. So then I have to adjust for, well, then how come you can't just call for help? Right. And it goes like that. Okay. Well, here's why. And then you do that. But, but yes, Um, I advise (laughs) don't adhere to real world physics. And unless you're going like hard sci-fi or like, 
some weird hard fantasy setting where it's not really mm-hmm. fantasy. It's like Bronze Age warriors and stuff, and which is fine. Um, but if, if if that's the direction you're going, we have to understand that your audience. It sounds cool until it's not. <laughs> Well, (laughs) it's one of those ones too and it's um you still need to make it so that as like humans it still makes sense to us like you could try and make something completely alien but it doesn't mean that we're going to understand how to how to do it play in it or do anything like that so by using let's say soft science um you can better help sculpt the world opposed to if you're just straight either adhering to hard science or just completely doing make-believe it just yep. makes it more relatable yeah. and allows for players even to better uh manage the world i think is the best way to put it yeah now i i, I agree and the one thing that i will say though is people want to suspend their disbelief mm-hmm. Characters are willing to do that. And yet, how many of us get hung up on something, right? We're watching a movie about superheroes that literally (laughs) call down thunder and lightning. And then there's one small thing that they do. They're like, okay, this story sucks because they would never do that. That would never happen. That's impossible. Come on. And so I think understanding why we're making decisions that we make, though, help us be able to maintain that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah, magic allows me to go faster than light. Yeah, there are still limitations within that magic, and understanding what those limitations of magic are is important. Because when somebody asks, "Well, why can't I do this?" you at least have an explanation, yep. even if you can't reveal that explanation completely to them. It's like, well, that's a that's an interesting question now, isn't it? Hmm, <laughs> I wonder what would happen if somebody went to investigate that. Y- you know, so. Yeah. It, it's like I've got I, I have the answers as to why this is the way that it is. Now your character can find that out if you are interested enough to find that out. Well, <laughs> I think this is a that's actually a really fun kind of line of uh, of thought thoughts that you're having right there, Finder, because it, it's so true how us as human beings will watch movies that are so absurd that can never happen. And then when something realistic is on the table and we see it and we're like, oh, that's bullshit. That would never happen. Like, I remember I was watching a, a movie with the wifey and I'm pretty sure it was Friday. No, not Friday the 13th. I think it was the first Freddy Krueger. Uh, so Nightmare on Elm Street. And she's like, oh, yeah. this is so unrealistic. They wouldn't just automatically put this person in an asylum because of this or something like I, I'm trying to remember. It's like they wouldn't just automatically do that. I had to turn to it. It's like, dear, we're watching a movie about a serial killer who kills people through their dreams. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, yeah. And like she stops and she's like. I get that, but this part's the part of the real one. I'm like, I can't really argue with that. And then I think that's another issue with trying right. to do things so realistically is if you screw up on something, somebody's going to catch you and be like, what the, what did you do right here? Why do, this yeah. is not oh, how yeah. it works. So actually- yeah, well, I told you I, when Raven first launched, I had an argument with uh, someone who's never experienced a two way range uh about gunfire and uh cover and how it works and options in the savage worlds and i was just like i, I don't want to tell you man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking game like take cover use the shit but yeah but it's an interesting point right like 
that verisimilitude and that scale and that, or the spectrum, I guess, of verisimilitude can be really, really important yeah. for people because that will yank you right out of out of a setting. Um, which, which yeah, is, man. Well, in, in one of my games, in one of my games, um, I I probably when it comes to being a player, I try to be cool and go with what the GM wants. He's a player. And yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's like the, the the game that we were in. The premise was going to be a spelljammer like game. Nobody knows about spell jamming, and yet everybody except for the player characters seem to know about spell jamming. <laughs> so oh. there, there was this moment where it's like, dude, this makes no sense. This is a, a the whole premise of this game is not adding up for me, and I'm like. I, I I was like, okay, you know what? It doesn't make sense, but I will go along with it because I want to play the game. But for some people in the group, it was a showstopper because it's like, mm-hmm. this makes no sense. This this makes literally no sense. So Why are it, we going here? Was it poorly designed? It sounds like. The the, the yeah, yeah. The the, okay. the premise of the game was kind of like where it was kind of like Mortal Kombat. Um where the, the movie where everybody gets pulled to this world for a big yep. fight Tracking. and and so there was like nobody knows about this but yet we're going there and it's it's a big secret but everybody but us knows about this secret and then we're in bars and it's like we got to get off this planet we're like how do they even know about this when we, we yeah yeah literally been told nobody knows about this oh yeah that's probably so, implemented that yeah, needed like, it, a couple it of sessions right leading up to you being yeah. abducted and kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, damn. So, man. It, it, it was it was an interest. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, as a player, I was like, I don't care. I just want to go fight and kill stuff. So let's, <laughs> let's let's go beat up some monsters and take their stuff. But for others in the group, it was it was it was really hard. And so I, I think it's important as a GM to think about that and how the players are going to react to different parts of the world building that you've done and how their characters are going to play into it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So I guess there's another aspect of world generation coming into with the character creation, right? Is especially for I think the GM side. Oh, this is a tough, this might be a little more, little more deeper than I think. Like you were you, saying, is you, you have to be willing to let go yeah. that there's no, and I write this in every game and every setting I produce. There is not a chance in hell. You know as much as a fucking wizard <laughs> in the setting. Never going to happen. So the GM has to also allow the conceit that the character knows things and can do things that the player will never think of, which is great for Savage Worlds because it's common knowledge check for a lot of stuff. Or it's just like, hey, yeah, you would know this because of what you do. And you know, you can do it in with intelligence roles or whatever. But I think that – that that really gets jumbled sometimes where it's just like, no. No, why don't you tell me how you make a magic item? Like, bitch, I don't know how to make a magic item. I'm not a goddamn warlock. Well, you know, the other part of that also is what is common knowledge in that game? In mm-hmm. a modern world, mm-hmm. almost every 16-year-old can drive a car. As Do I require as, a driving skill? Stick. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Although I, I am proud to say that my two oldest sons know how to drive stick because I taught them right. Good. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, yeah. the, the thing that I find interesting is GMs a lot of times require roles 
for things that we yeah. really don't need roles for. Yeah, yeah. If I'm if I have a character and I didn't take the driving skill, I can probably still drive a car. Right. And you're not going to drive. You're, I, I don't need a driving skill to go to the grocery store. Yeah, it's not what the skills for, but, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's for in those high intense moments where I'm in a chase. I'm, I'm in a high, now. I need driving, and I don't have the driving skill. So now I'm driving unskilled because I am now outside of my element. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't ha- know how to do that. Yeah. But stop requiring roles for everything that yeah. is normal. Yeah. Yep. Fucking weird. But it's no, an important part when you design the world. And it's important. It, sorry, it is important though when you're thinking about this stuff. Of you yeah. have to at least understand the lore you put down. No one gives a shit about. They're not going to read it. Like they <laughs> yeah. may peruse. It's just re- it's reality. It's true. They may peruse it. I had a dude who bought Task Force Raven and asked me, "Hey, what monsters are in this book?" I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, it was just like you have the rule book, but but in general, but like we're, but what we're saying is, yeah, you have to understand that that's the moment where you can take those lures and those those action items and say, hey, this makes more sense to just let's just do this. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just crazy, but it becomes important for world creation to make note of that. Um, in fact, I highly suggest you might make. Might make notes, and that's what I'll do for when I'm writing like adventure scenes. And I know you come to the advent- the some of the examples I usually put in the books is like, what can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel and smell without any roles whatsoever? And it's a real pain in the ass to do that in, a, in something you're publishing because people become to expect it. And I'm like, I'm just trying to handhold you to show you a way forward. That, that way you're not be like, what. I, what does what would this dystopian food court be like? I don't know, man. Fucking drones and one time and cameras and the matrix all around you, but you can't see. You know, it's like so. It's just easier to explain to people, like, hey, and I, I highly suggest you do that for certain scenes. And I guess that's coming back down to that world building when you're focusing yeah. on like, here's a a thing we're gonna do, and you can even do it for like kingdoms. Like, here are the things that would be commonly known in that kingdom. I'm trying not to itch this tattoo. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't itch. Don't scratch it. Don't scratch I mean, it. It's driving me insane right now. That's why I'm talking faster. I find that this, <laughs> this is really interesting. I feel like this might be like this whole conversation right here might be opening up a can of worms. And we might have to have a very structured conversation about world building. Because I feel like there's so oh. much to I feel like there's so much to it that. It's really hard, like, because we're talking about, we're conceptualizing things right now, and I hope it's coming across to our audience right now, but it, it it's not necessarily the easiest conversation because it can, it covers literally every single genre and every single yeah. piece of media, and it, it's really hard to kind of talk about it with big picture concepts without having like a major concept that we're building f- from. So, so let's have a part two. I am we so down for a part two. What type, of, what type of genre do they want? And then on our next podcast, we actually do a world build 100%. session. 100%. I am on so that. down for that. Yeah, I've done that before live on the air, and it's pretty cool when you build a genre. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool because you can really see the gears get going. And then you also will learn why sometimes you, teams don't work. Yeah. That's, that's a reality as well. Yeah, you know, oh, I, I think that would be a yeah. and well, yeah. One other thing that I think uh, Scott, going back to what you were talking about when you started thinking about the setting and digging down into the everyday of things as well, is 
something I think, and this was one of the most interesting questions I got. I, I was at a writer's workshop, uh, actually with Brandon Sanderson and a few other oh, writers. Nice. And one of the questions they, they brought up was how does, if you're writing a fantasy, how does magic affect the economy? Sure. Right. Most games don't take that into account. They hand wave no. it. Eberron yeah. answered that question, which is why I love Eberron. You, you know what? Uh, what's another series that I think really tackles the economy when it comes to magic? Uh, it's, uh, what is it? Arcane. The League of Legends one on Netflix. That one. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one really, really tackles the effects of magic yeah. on the economy in a way that you don't really pay attention to when you first watch it. But if you go back and rewatch it, everything is based off of how those with magic tend to be able to make their world perfect at the expense of everyone else's because they have all the power. Yeah, you have well, to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say, you thinking about even your, your Dark Sun Dawning setting... Fuck you. No, no. What I'm talking, where I'm going with this is it's black sun. Donnie. It's black it's sun. Black sun. See, yeah, that's it. Yeah, camera's going off. <laughs> I'm not the only person who does it. I, I did it with neon blood. Blood. Keep, see, you going. But, but the the thing the thing is, magic is real. Yeah. How is that going to stunt different scientific studies? Right. Exactly. Or how will it augment scientific? Right. How will science augment magic? Yep. And the fact that you have a study now where science and magic are intertwined, that there's very little that's purely scientific and very little that's purely magical. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is one of the interesting aspects because most of the time it's like, oh, we've got a magic setting and here we have a wand of fireball and yeah, yeah. here we have a, a flintlock pistol. Yeah. Great. Why? Why? Yeah. Why would I create? Yeah. Why would I keep having these wands of fireball if my pistol does as much damage and is cheaper and easier to make and easier to use for your non-magic user friends? Uh, because of the reload time. <laughs> and, and that that could be an argument, yeah. but they're going to be a lot more rare, right? And yeah. they become a lot more expensive. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I haven't seen a price list in Dungeons and Dragons forever, so maybe that wand of fireball is a bad example. No, it's, but, not, it's not a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 ever since that 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 uh, writing group or yeah. uh, exercise, I was like, you know, that that's interesting. It's caused me to think about things a little bit differently. Yeah, right. Yeah, you have to. Um, yeah, and like I said, when we did the interviews, I answered that question because that was a question that I knew had to be answered: is how does all this work? And that's like I said, the arrogance is, is no one's really done a good sci-fi fantasy mix. Not 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 for Savage Worlds, at least. Um, and not for a lot of s- systems, but yeah, I don't know. And it is important <clears throat> because it's, it's an aspect that is going to be reality for people. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so uh, there was one thing I wanted to ask you guys is this is a hard one and it may be a whole different topic, but when you're designing a world and you have your, you have like, I will go standard. You have elves, dwarves, halflings, and humans role play an elf. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right, and so now people are like, "Well, you have you have these plant people." Do, what? I mean, I get it; it's it's interesting, but how? What steps would you take in building a world to help facilitate character creation so someone could play a plant person? 
you know, a sentient plant species or a sentient insectoid species mm-hmm. without being just because 99% of all games are humans in masks and we all forget about it. We're all guilty of it. You know, it's just, it just is what it is. Which uh, sure I feel called out here. No, no, I do the same thing. <laughs> I still forget. I'm like, oh, you, you, oh I'm, a, uh, I'm a praying mantis man. Shh, I forgot about that. God damn it. So I guess you pick up the drink like this in some weird fashion. But it's <laughs> well, but, you know, changed things, right? Because then you have specialized gear, you have specialized food, drink, all that jazz. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you have? The, you the thing, well, the, the things that I've thought about. And my, my races in my arabesque setting have actually changed over time. The, the, the races themselves have not per se, but their construction has. Um, for example, originally all races could interbreed. And then I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, um, and, and so your, your plant people are purely androgynous and they breed through spores. They, they are, uh, going to be asexual in terms of the other characters. <laughs> There's very little differentiation between male and female, if there is such a thing, uh, among that plant species. Yeah. The, the lizard folk, they they have a completely different uh, biology. The only ones that could maybe interbreed would be your dwarf analog and your human and maybe your orc analog. Um, but th- those are considerations that I started taking into place is like, Okay, what what aspects of a plant do I want to bring forward and and have them uh, this way? So, mammary glands gone from non mammalian type races. Oh my god, I'm not playing a lizard person in your setting now. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> makes choices, you man. Everybody you makes choices. You like reptile <laughs> boobies. What do you mean lizard people don't have boobies? <laughs> <laughs> but the the fun thing was though I, I also started looking at that going you know what Th- this is a desert world so how are plant people going to be affected by that there's there's oh, going yeah, to be weaknesses right? because of this thing here but they might require less food but they need more water sure um those sorts of things and and with the lizard folk um I, I had a lot of fun trying to figure out what are the different things that lizard people could have and what would make this interesting for a player given the the there there are so many different varieties of lizard out there yeah and let's make that an interesting thing. And so I've given them options to choose. It's yeah, like, okay, nice. pick two of this, pick one of this. And now you've created your specific brand of lizard. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and I also tried to think about which was the the deity that created each of the different races. And what is that deity's persona? And how is that going to affect their creation? And so like uh, the God of Chaos has a race that, has chaos within it nice. and it, that that was um fun for me to build now are they done i don't know we'll find out but <laughs> never be done you just gotta hit gotta hit publish <laughs> exactly <laughs> you gotta do it at some point but so those, those are those questions that you just asked i think are things that i've tried to take and uh think about a little bit more even in the grim dark setting that we're uh running yeah. or that i'm running right now I tried to do that with the races to say, you know what, what's, what's makes this race interesting and different and how would that affect the way it's played? So, but, but you're right. I mean, I'm a human, so I'm not going to know how to play a changeling. Yeah, no. <laughs> Man, it's tough. So Santa, your turn to answer. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one, if I am not too sure how to play a certain race, I won't play them. That's one thing. So that's I- interesting. 
and yes, and because there's some that you can kind of figure out how they play either from using like let's say uh lizard people you could look at different like how lizards actually interact in real life on us and you can try and extrapolate different characteristics and put that into a character or even with my half ogre he's still half human so he would have Mm -hmm. some human mannerisms but also he would have that more brutish arrogance that a lot of ogres would have and that's why i kind of play him as yeah an overconfident cocky creature who at the same time still has his own kind of hang-ups that come from the human side um sure um so for me it's honestly if i can't picture how i could play this this certain kind of like uh race or character i i i just i i won't do it Hell, one of my favorite ideas for a character I've ever had is a Pathfinder First Edition uh, character that I probably never will play, but it's it's because I I can think of how a rat would react, and it would actually be a rat book witch. Nice, yeah, just because it it has a lot of cooking stuff involved. Oh man. But, you know, and with what you said, though, if you can't figure out how to play something, I wonder if that also – I wonder if that kind of is why elves and dwarves are still the most popular version of the fantasy because it's the most well-known and the easiest, right, because of Lord of the Rings. Now you got movies who show you yeah. how elves should behave and dwarves should behave um, and halflings. Um, I think it – I yes and no. If that makes sense. Yes, I yeah. think in some regards, there is that personality kind of aspect to it that people can grasp onto. Other times it's, you know, they just kind of like that kind of characters. Like elves are known to be very beautiful characters. And a lot of people, you know, not saying that we're all kind of like uh, superficial, but humans are kind of superficial and. You want to yeah, play the attractive character. Well, with dwarves, you want to play that big, tough, that well, stocky, tough. Guy. Ah, it's not really. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's more, and I find with the other races that are in the game, a lot of the times it's like with, you know, uh, what's the what's the D and D dragon called again? Dragonborn. Dragonborn. You want to play as a dragon? Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, and then there's yeah. all the other ones where it's like, oh, you know, a furbog or a turtle or anything like that. And most of it's because you like the idea of playing that on how it looks. But I don't think most people give a shit about how they act. No, it's the mechanics, right? No, I think is yeah, it's it's the it mechanics and the, and the feel. Because if they can get the feel of playing a turtle, it's like, you know, they don't really care about how their that culture really interacts with the world. They just want to play that. And that's, right. I think, one of the hindrances of having a d- bunch of different races in it is at the end of the day, it's like nobody really cares who you are. I've played with people who played See, Kankus who couldn't, who, who played them just like normal characters. I'm like, what's the, what's the point? You might as well just play the human and take, <laughs> yeah, like, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, a human with a bird mask. It bugs right? me yeah. as an improv kid. But for most people, I don't yeah. think they would think one second about it. And the thing that I like is finding the race and then finding the interesting 
odd. I, I don't play the oddball races. I like to play the oddball character to some extent. N- not always, but like in our original Eberron game, I thought it'd be interesting to see what would a non-biological creature like a Warforged mm-hmm. have that would make it a cleric? Why mm-hmm. would it have a belief in a deity that didn't create it? Right. And that to me was the fun part about that character was having a cleric that who was really created by man. And so man would be technically that thing's creator. Yeah. But he became a cleric somehow. Yeah. And that was, that was the fun part for me. Yeah. No, it's the, you know, like the dragonborn. So I don't want to play dragons, but I do love playing a dragonborn paladin, but because I like playing dragonborn as this race that had like this great kingdom of honor and prove yourself by combat and it collapsed somehow. And now you're just out there trying to make a difference and prove that your people, your people were, were right. Like you had everything in the world handed to you and then you shit on it. And now you're going to struggle against everything else around you, especially against evil and stuff. And that's why I like Dragonborn. I'll play a Dragonborn, honestly, more like a Klingon. I'll take some of those Klingon values from Star Trek and implement that with the honor system, yeah. the preference of combat, um, learning about compassion. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. And for a lizard race, if you want to play a cool lizard race, I would watch the movie Enemy Mine. Uh, a gr- great science fiction yeah. movie, man. And it will completely... That's a really old movie too, like 80s, yeah. but it addresses things that people are discussing now and they were doing it in the 80s with a very cool script. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Well worth the watch, the rental. But it, I mean, it, it's fun to, to figure out those sorts of things. Yeah. My, in my brother's D&D game, he had a race. Uh, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. But anyway, they were like super evil elves. Because, I mean, literally, they throw all their babies into a pit, and the one that ate its way to the top is the one that lived. And so they were considered an evil race. Sure, yeah. And there was this one, like our friend, he wanted to play one of them as a lawful good cleric. And there was an entire adventure that was designed. He started off as this evil character, and then there was an experience in in game that changed his alignment and changed his outlook, and he became like this super um, pious uh, go out and proselyte for the, for the lawful good God. And it was a ton of fun because everybody expected this character to be evil. He'd enter towns and there was all kinds of uproar because of this evil dude. And then he's preaching the the doctrine of a, of a lawful good deity. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so ton of fun in those games. Yeah. That's so the, that's the fun stuff. Well, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you say what you're going to say. I was just, um, but yeah, that that comes down to some of those old arguments that people used to have, and they don't. You don't see them much anymore. But it was like, you know, deities and demigods in the original um, first edition D and D, or really any edition of any game you play that you're going to use World War mythology. Can I play a paladin of an Aztec gods? And that's a real hard one for people. Because of some of the things that had to be done traditionally through the Aztec culture to bring about, you know, the seasonal changes and the harvest and for your enemies. And it's and those arguments descended into just utter madness, man. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Like, you know. To them, that was just normal. That's the question, right? Is what, like, like when Richard's talking about, like, that culture, those babies, they were considered evil. 
but for them, that's just ensuring the survivability of their species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, is it? Is it time for trivia? Because it's like an hour and eleven. I know. I'm grabbing it now, just in case. <laughs> okay, do it up. Do it up. Sound like. It's not like Santa was well, like, let's just move on. Let's just move yeah. on. Bro. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I, I, had, I had a neat okay. idea, but I, th- I think that we're running a little bit low on time. So Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is your neat idea something that we want to incorporate in yeah. part two? Yes. I think we could incorporate into part two. Oh, nice. Then, then make a note of it so yeah. you don't forget. Please. Use one note. Open up one note right now. I got to sign into it. I already downloaded it. One note would be so, so handy for, for all this. Um, all right. So who went first? it doesn't matter who went first last time. Um, all right, you guys, I don't ever go first. You guys pick for me. Magic and miscellany, history, monsters, dungeons and adventures, characters and cosmology. Cosmology is always forbidden land. So let's uh, not realms, go there. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Forbidden land is free league game. God damn. <laughs> You are disrespectful. Hey, it's time change. Time change is. I, I'm blaming it all on that. What about <laughs> monsters for Scott? I usually monsters? take the one because it's the one that yeah. I think. Yeah, they'll be easy, and then yeah, yeah, it's hard. Okay, monsters yeah. is orange. Who? Uh, which two groups of humanoids are bitter enemies, even though they share similar names and evolve from common ancestors who were enslaved by mind flayers? Are you ready? The Gith Yankee and the Gith Zerai. Survey says, of course I'm correct. <laughs> oh, right. That was easy. See, and if I, if I picked that one for myself, you'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? How do you not know this? Yeah, how do you not know that? The Githyanki are I, one of the coolest monster that. races ever designed, man. Just, I agree. I love them, man. but I would, not have, uh, I would not have pegged them as a... Uh, as an answer to that, yeah, they course, they, the, uh, that's how they the related off. race. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they had the, the revolt with a lich queen. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> but, but I will say, of all the monster, of all the monster books, Fiendfolio was probably my least favorite. It had really it had it had five good highs, and the rest was crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and the artwork. I mean, when, when you talk about the artwork for D and D, it's all. Pretty much crap. A lot of it. One hundred percent. I agree. Like, but Fiendfolio seemed to be especially crap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, AD and D one. All right. Otis was a genius. <laughs> he, he, he painted an imagination. Um, AI could do Errol Otis art much better. All right, for for Santa, <laughs> magic and miscellany, history, dungeons and adventures, characters or cosmology. You know, I'll let you guys pick because I, 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 I'm kind of oh curious gosh. what you guys would pick for me. Okay, Rich, what do you want him to not answer? <laughs> I want him to not answer cosmology. Cosmology, <laughs> it is. Which deity of Faerun, sometimes called Fohammer, is represented by a blazing silver sword on a blood red shield? Because hammer makes so much sense in that symbol. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's a foe hammer one word he hammers foes with a stabbing motion <laughs> is it, is it I, I i know i'm not going to get it but i'm just i'm i'm i'm, I'm saying what i know and i'm going to say the hell with the wizards of the coast i'm going with the other evil company and that is sigmar no no it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's but, yeah do you know who sigmar Tempest. is 
Yes, from Warhammer. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows. It's boring. I know. I know it's, that it's, lore. It's, it's old, can we do one of... Can we, can we, well, no. no do they have a trivia game? I don't know. But I would probably be a lot better at it. <laughs> you should see they have a trivia game, actually. It'd be pretty cool. All right, Rich. Magic Miscellany, History, Dungeons and Adventures, or Characters? What do you want him to answer? Oh, I was going to oh. say, since everybody else is it, choosing oh, for everybody else, you guys pick for me. There we go. Oh, shit. I just hit that what do you want him to check? What do you want him to do? Um, pick, pick one. Well, sorry, which ones were open again? Fine, motherfucker. Magic and miscellany, history. characters, mm-hmm. and history. And dungeons uh, and adventures. You know what? I, I'm going to say history. Okay, history. Yellow. <laughs> Jesus wept. It's so hard to read sometimes. Which cardinal direction did not lend its name to a Gen Con satellite convention north South, east, or west? Oh, well. I don't, I don't even know. Uh, you, you know, if it was a satellite, I'm going to say north. That's a just fuck. because that is a great Gen guess. So far. Yeah. yeah. It was so far north already. So. That, that is, the, that is the answer. It was north. Yeah. Hey, Point. So. No, knowing your Gen Con history. <laughs> Point. Slytherin. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay, back to me. Magic and miscellany, uh, dungeons and adventures, or characters? Uh, Let's go with characters because we haven't had any Dungeons and Dragons cartoon trivia yet. Oh, true statement. All right, characters. <laughs> I want to watch Rich's face. I want to read this and watch Rich's face. In Dragonlance... After Raceland passed his test, he was cursed to see the ravages of time on all things through eyes with pupils of what shape? I can't finish reading it. It's so easy. Uh, of which shape? Shape, yeah. What, what shape were his pupils? I know what they were. A dragon. I, I, I believe I know, but it's been, oh man, it's been decades. I know. So this is your, this this is is, your question. This is my right? question. It is hourglass. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yes, no, not not where I was going, but no, man, it's been really, a yeah. He had the hourglass yeah. peoples in the with the makes sense. Was that from Time of the Twins or was that in the original one? That was the original one. Yeah, because they were okay. they freaked him out because he had the the gold the gold flaked eyes and then uh, gold yeah. flecked eyes and then uh, his stupid hourglass peoples. Like, oh, I see you dying, Tannis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great Descartes. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> All right. Four. Back to Santa. Magic and miscellany. Uh, or dungeons and adventures. Or are we pick it for you? I don't care. It doesn't uh, let, really Let's do matter. dungeons and adventures. Oh, let's do dungeons oh. and adventures. I'll know that one for sure. Oh. In Storm King's Thunder, what does the top of the floating tower of Zephyros, the cloud giant, resemble? Just say dildo. I don't know it either. I was going to say phallus. Right. <laughs> All towers are phallus shaped. A diamond? I don't know what it would. Oh, I don't know. Let's find out. That a is diamond the... or a crystal? That's what I would say. Okay. If it's a penis, so, I am going to be mad. A wizard hat. What the fuck? Storm King's Thunder <laughs> is off my list of things to play. <laughs> oh. Oh. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And that- for Rich. Magic and Miscellany. What weapon created by Vecna's own skill and wielded by his lieutenant, motherfucker, is required in order to destroy the eye or hand of Vecna? 
<laughs> and here I am sitting thinking Vecna came up because of Stranger Things. <laughs> no. This is an easy one. Um, let's go with uh, the Wand of Orcus. No, but I like where your head is. The Sword of Kaz. Remember that from the Artifacts and the Dungeon Master's Guide? K-A-S, the Sword of Kaz? I don't. I never, re- I never read it. I'm signing off. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. That's for trivia. That's yeah, not bad. I did want to. I had one story I wanted to say <laughs> before we ended, and it kind of, and it's it kind of fun. It's this happened this week, and I've been dying to say it. Um, oh boy! But it didn't work. But now that we're at the end of the episode, you know, screw it. So, mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with the wifey. Uh, a couple days ago and she was mentioning how like you know every once in a while she'll mention i have a podcast to people like at at her work or people she knows and they'll be like oh "Oh, really what's it about and she's like well it's on (laughs) tabletop games and and she's she's like it's on tabletop games they're like oh you mean like board games he's like no kind of like D, but not and they always look confused and i was like well you could always say kind of like like it's like D D, but it's like the indie scene of it and she's like oh and then she started having like oh. a mini conversation i was like because that's probably the best way to say it it's not a hundred it's not accurate but it's probably the most the easiest way to say it to someone who isn't but uh and then she's then she started having the conversation she's like yeah but what if they come back and it's like well, isn't D&D like indie? It's not like it's owned by Hasbro or anything. And there you I, go, right? I, I just I just looked at her and she's she's just like I just mutter it's like it 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 is owned by them. And she's she just missed me saying that and she started talking and then she stopped. She's like, wait, what? I was like, Yeah. They they are owned by Hasbro. And she's like See, but like most people wouldn't know that. I'm like, you, you're actually true on that. I think a good chunk of people probably don't know that they're owned by Hasbro. But yeah, that is, that is interesting. I wonder how many people don't know that. I, I bet you it's a lot more than you think. I bet you a lot of people thought Wizards of the Coast with their whole OGL thing were acting independently. I wouldn't be surprised. Would you? God damn it. I wish I could have just done so much more damage during that time period than I did. I was recorded I mean I wish I could have interacted with the community more and on that note folks I think that's all time for today I hope you enjoyed this episode Uh, and uh, if you want us to do a part 2 well we are going to do a part 2 where we're world creating but uh, if you want to add to the discussion about it you can uh, hop onto our discord links will be in the description see you guys later bye bye